Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That you're in whatever country you're in. By now, the coronavirus has taken over your airways, and you have seen just about everything under the sun. Everything imaginable about people's conditions deteriorates. And shocking images that they are. I saw one on TV last night that's literally coming to a apoplexy of prayer. I kid you not. And just as I was about to go live, I was perusing my Instagram feed and found someone who is the local community uh, leader here in Detroit who is asking for prayer because he's been diagnosed. The thing is, he has an underlying health condition and we want to support him. He is one kind of took me. Oh, it kind of winded me a little bit. When I, why it touched me? Because when I just got started, when I published my my third book, Through the Fire, he invited me to become to come on his radio show to expose me to the wider community of Detroit. So I owe him a debt of gratitude to tell him thank you for investing in me those early days when I first started. Uh, he helped. By, you know, by, by talking about who I am, introduced me to his daughter, who is now an esteemed council member, and uh, forged that kind of relationship. So I owe him with over the years, and, you know, we've kept abreast of what each other is doing and why where our children are and that sort of thing. So it's not, uh, it's not easy. Here we are. So... I'm wearing green, and I'm wearing a dress. And imagine that. We get to the station. I can wear a dress, y'all. I can wear a dress. Isn't that okay? I mean, I don't have to put on pants anymore. I can literally, y'all, wear a dress. I don't have to wear tights or leggings. But guess what? Where am I going to go? I'll dress up. <laughs> Where am I going to go, right? Just tell me. Where am I going to go? Because it seems to me that we are, uh, how should we say it seems to me we can't go anywhere. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't want to defy her order, right? So if the governor says stay home, that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay home, right? So today I want to talk about uh, Ohio using the coronavirus to uh, to stop abortions, and I know it's a sensitive subject. But I also want to hear what you guys think. I want to know what you guys are thinking and what you, how do you feel about it, you know? Uh, I know that uh, having an abortion, we'll go into that in just a bit, but I still feel like I need to preface this by saying how I feel about abortions. I think that abortions should be a personal. It's a personal choice that a woman has to make. Women uh, choose our for health, and largely those reasons are always related to will she have the support of the person who made her pregnant. A woman does not get pregnant by herself unless she goes to a sperm bank and chooses to take some sperm. And in those 
situations, they don't have abortion, right? But because those are selective. But a woman chooses to have abortions when she feels it's not a good time and space in her life to uh, give birth to a child and to raise a child. Let's just be clear. Having a baby is not the end of the story. That's, you have to be committed to raising that child, being there for that person. That child is a human being who deserves love and attention. And it's a very personal situation and a very personal time. I wish that folks would understand the reasons why women choose to have abortions. And for some reason, uh, we can't uh, seem to uh, we can't seem to to uh, understand the reasons why women have abortions. I wish we would understand and exercise some understanding. I invite your participation because I really want to know how you think, and I really want to know how men think, especially today. So uh, because of a whole constellation of reasons and a whole host of issues, maybe it's a bad time. Sometimes people are married and choose to have an abortion because the marriage is on a rocky foundation. That happens, right? Whether or not they regret it later, at the time, that's the decision that most is most feasible. A woman chooses to have abortion, an abortion if she's in college and gets pregnant and doesn't want to drop out of college. A woman chooses to have an abortion if she's a teenager. She's too young to have it. She chooses to have an abortion because it was a hookup. It was not a relationship, and there's no commitment. If there's no commitment to her, there's not going to be any commitment to raising the child. A woman chooses to have abortion if she was raped. A woman chooses to have an abortion if her family members had sex with her. That's a common thing in some parts of the country and some parts of the world. Let's just be clear about that, right? So a woman chooses to have abortions for a whole variety of reasons. And those reasons largely have very little to do with anything, but that's her choice. That's what she chooses to do. And so when she makes the choice to have an abortion, she's judged. She's uh, vilified. Uh, she's called all sorts of things. Now, the, I don't support abortion, but I support a woman's right to choose, especially in cases of rape and incest. So let me be clear about that. I don't believe that abortion is a form of birth control. I abhor that, against that conception. From the minute the child is conceived, I believe that's life. I don't believe it's a placebo or a blur or anything like that. I believe it's life. When two people get together and have sex and an egg and a sperm meet and life is formed and both those two cells determine that that's time to form a person, to me, that's a person. So I believe that there is personhood involved. But I believe that the woman who is carrying the child has the right to choose. Only she knows what she will have to face. And every woman everywhere should understand that because you should know what it takes to raise a child. Have you ever? I raised two children by myself. That is not something I would wish on anybody. I would never do that to myself again. I would. I when I got pregnant, I was married. I had no idea my marriage would end. I didn't think that that's such a thing. I would end up being a single parent. 
it perhaps was one of the most challenging periods of my life. I made sure I never got pregnant after my two children were born. I made sure of that. There are some cases where women try their best. Now, that was my choice. So I'm still saying that a woman has the right to choose. Women's reproductive rights are ours. We are the carriers and holders of life. Nobody should dictate to me how many children I should have, when I should have same children, and when I shouldn't have children. Nobody should dictate to me, if God forbid somebody were to raise me, that I should carry some rapist seed in my body. I kill him. Do you understand what I'm saying? We should never put that kind of strain on women. You don't know what it is like to be a woman today. In our world today, the, the world of work is very unfriendly to women. Black women are dying in childbirth because of preeclampsia. Preeclampsia is what? High blood pressure. Do you know why black women largely have high blood pressure during pregnancy? Because we work in environments where your job is not stable. You're constantly under pressure. You're not married. They won't marry you. They won't settle down with you. They won't support you. So the minute you get pregnant, you start worrying about what's going to happen with you. You have your preeclampsia because of economic situations. Is it any wonder that they choose to end pregnancies? Is it any wonder? Because they're the ones who are going to have to carry this child. They're the ones who are going to have to put up with the economic loss, sustain, not being able to provide for the child. If God forbid somebody else helps you with that. Do you see where I'm coming from? So black women then, seeing all of this, they sometimes they choose not to have children. Sometimes they choose to. They're like, okay, here it is, whatever. Whatever a woman's reasons are. Uh, white women just choose basically whether it's a woman's right. You never know what her choices are. Maybe she's not ready to have a child. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's based on work, progression of work, right? And especially, my friends, during a time like this, in a pandemic that we're in, where economics are strained, where people do not have access to jobs. Did you see the job numbers this morning? The job numbers this morning are 3.3 million people filed for unemployment last week. That's the beginning of the iceberg. 3.3 million. They say the numbers are higher, have not been this high since 1982. It surpasses the recession of 2008. I, I just let that sink in for just a second, right? And so Ohio, the state of Ohio, is seeking to ban abortions based on what? Using the fact that it is not as an elective surgery. So they're saying, well, don't have abortions because you would be using protective equipment that's certain that gowns that are in short supply. And the rest of us are raising our eyebrows like, you can't postpone an unwanted pregnancy indefinitely. At some point, you're going to have to choose. If the pandemic is going to last six weeks, pregnant by that time, you'll be, what, 12 weeks? And it becomes almost like an end-stage uh, uh, pregnancy. And in this time, it, that's a lot of economic strain. People don't have jobs. We are not – the economy today is a gig economy where they hire you at will because employers don't want to pay you anything. I really, I really am feeling something going off in me about a 
other people who do not put themselves in the position of women. For so many women, they get to a point where they've had abortions and then they, they finally get pregnant in their 30s and choose to have a child, but you are single and a child gets sick, and then you have an unfriendly employer who is unfriendly to women, unfriendly to working mothers, unfriendly to people with families. And this happens right across the board, people. Some other people, they're lucky they're married, so their spouse will pick up the slack. So women have abortions for a variety of reasons. No one needs to jump all over women who choose to have an abortion because you really don't know what she's going through. She's the one at the end of the day who's going to have to hold that baby. She's the one who's going to have to figure out how the diaper gets bought, how the milk gets bought, and how the baby gets to daycare and pay daycare fees. America has become very unfriendly to working mothers, working families, and young children. America is not a friendly place to young families anymore. America apparently despises workplaces in America, despises women, and despises women with children. If a woman wants to get ahead, she's best off not having young children. God forbid she's going to have a child. And that child gets sick, especially in the early years, between 10, from 0 to 10. Oh, my God. The way they talk about women in boardrooms who have children. So I really don't want to hear from anybody who is going to disparage because you never had to go through morning sickness and you never had to hold your belly up when you're pregnant and walking and feeling like you can't walk. You never had to open your body and extend your body for some for a human being to come out of. You never had to feed a, a child from your breast. You never had to deal with sore nipples. That doggone it, you never had to be the one to do the follow-up care. So I don't want to hear from anybody who's going to disparage against women and their choices about abortion. So if that's what you're going to call in about, don't even start. I'm not going to hear it. Because I was a single parent for years, and I can begin to tell you how I was mistreated, how I worked in unfriendly work environments, how I had to figure it out. So many times I thought I would have lost my dog on mine. My children are beautiful today because they saw what mom had to go through. So I don't want anybody to call in and tell me how women should not choose to have an abortion. You are sure you put aside a college fund? You're going to be there to pick that child up when she can? How many times, how many women can say they had to leave work early? to go pick up a child from, from daycare and an unfriendly boss who says, well, you don't have a job if you choose to do that. Or a child is so sick, she has no one else to leave the child with. Y'all need to stop because you don't know what women go through. You blame women, you criticize them. Do you know what it's like? Men have equal roles to play as well. Maybe that's why white guys, when they rape a woman, now in some states the, the rapist has rights just like if he were a regular father. Because in, in Georgia, in or South Carolina, I think it's in Georgia, the, the thinking is that a rapist as a father is better than no father at all. Kind of ancient. Did he choose to do that because he just wanted to spread his oats and just wanted to have more children or whatever? Look at my face. Try that with me. <laughs> they ain't going to fly with me, right? But do you see what I mean? So I, I want to be clear because we we oftentimes jump off and jump at the cuff and just off the cuff say things about young women and you don't have any understanding. 
you don't know what kind of conditions they were raised in. I see when I was last year, actually it was uh, two years ago, the, the current chief medical officer of health for Michigan was the chief medical officer, good morning, for the city of Detroit two years ago. And she had a symposium in which she uh, gathered together community leaders in, in Detroit to find out why the rate of pregnancy, teenage pregnancy, and especially during summer, we found that the, the rate of teenage pregnancy spikes during summer. And when we found that it spikes during summer, what we did was they decided, well, let's do something. Let's Maybe we need to get community leaders out. We need to find out what is going on, right? And when the, 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 the language is, somebody's calling. Let me see what you have to say. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, Earth. Good morning. Hi, yes. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, thanks, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. I want to hear what you have to say. We're talking about the state of Ohio banning abortions because of coronavirus. Right now, I was listening to the, the all the points you brought up there, and there's a couple of things you brought up that I think this kind of encapsulates why there's a disconnect on this issue when we talk about people who are pro-life or pro-choice. And it comes down to when you talk about a woman's right to choose, the question comes in, where is the responsibility coming? Now, if you're yeah. saying, for example, a woman's been raped, obviously mm-hmm. she's not responsible for that at all, right? That's against mm-hmm. her will. She was violated. And she's put in a predicament that she had no doing it. Now, but when you talk about women who had consensual sex and got pregnant, and now they, for whatever reason, decide, I don't want to have the baby, now you have to call into question, what does that say as a society? Because what we're seeing all of a sudden now is because someone feels like that life is an inconvenience, we can justify killing. That's essentially what we're arguing when you say that. And so what I find is when people support abortion, what they end up doing is they make an appeal to either women that have been raped or they use the example of the poor young mother who's 16 with a baby. But what they don't take into consideration is a large percentage of people that do have abortions, they're, they don't, they're not in either of those categories. They're not, they're not a woman whose health is at risk or that's been raped or a young girl that's in poverty. A lot of women that get abortions are adult women over the age of 21 who economically have the means to be able to take care of a child, they don't. They choose not to purely out of convenience. Now, that to me, there's no justification for it. You know, if you, the examples you brought up about being in poverty and having a difficult situation, I can understand that. My mom was mm-hmm. in a similar situation. She was, a, she was an orphan teenage mother living on the street when she had mm-hmm. me. So I, can, I understand the plight of a, of a woman who's young and poor. But mm-hmm. if you have to take in consideration, that's not the majority. The majority of abortions are not done by that. And even more than that, from a black perspective, if we're talking strictly from black people's perspective, we have to take into consideration what abortion was ultimately used for and why it was brought out. We go all the way back to Margaret Sanger and that whole agenda with the eugenics movement and their desire to reduce the black population. And mm-hmm. how she, in her own writing, said that she co-opted black ministers and black community leaders to try to convince the black community to embrace abortion in the hopes that they could reduce the amount of black people in this country. Now, that's a real issue. Wow. Wow. You know, I mean, you know, you can yeah. look into it for yourself. That's a reality. So I, when we talk I've about abortion, about there's, there's, right. So there, there's different levels to what this is really about. 
I mean, if you take an yeah. example, look at New York City in 2015. In 2015, more black babies were aborted in New York City than were born. This is a direct example of what I'm talking about because in our country, numbers matter. Numbers yes. equal political power, right? Yeah. The Hispanic yeah. community, because because of immigration, they've grown to become a massive percentage of the population to now they have more political power than black people do. They are more important as a voting block than black people are because yeah. of their rapid rise. And also a lot of Latinos, let's remember they're Catholics. And so they culturally, they have, they're against, yeah, they're against abortion. They're against even mm-hmm. birth control of any kind. So most mm-hmm. Latino families have a lot of children. Therefore mm-hmm. their population skyrocketing. And now in 20 years, they're going to be, they're going to be, their numbers are going to be huge. And, and, and again, where are black people at? We're stuck at 13%. We Why? should be at 20% or higher. You know, yeah. if you look at how many black children have been aborted since Roe v. Wade was passed in the 60s, it's a huge number. It's something like almost 20 million. So the, 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 the reality is that we as white people have allowed this propaganda to convince us that abortion is somehow in our best interest when it's been weaponized to reduce our numbers, to keep wow. us in a place where we don't have political influence. So I'm just wow. saying there's two arguments against it. You have the moral yes. argument, and yeah. then you have the, the racial argument. So, And let's remember, wow. and let's my last point I'll make, is that in the states of Virginia and New York, in the uh, last year, they put laws in place that says that not only can a woman have an abortion all the way to the ninth month, but a woman can have an abortion after she's given birth to the child. Now, I just want to let that stick into people's mind where we're at yeah. as a society. Yeah. Now, that, that that's murder. I'm sorry to break it to anyone who, who doesn't agree no, with that. No, I agree with you on that so, one. That, that's horrible. I, I can't even, as a woman, to be honest with you, I'm kind of sensitive to that part of it. I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine that. But it is a fact, as you say. It is a fact and a reality. And they're selling baby body parts, too, by the way. This is another thing people don't know, is that in a lot of abortion procedures. Okay, so anyone who may not be aware, anytime you have a, a, a abortion that takes place in the second or, tri- or third trimester of the pregnancy, they have an operation that basically requires them to remove the baby piece by piece, right? In, in the second trimester, it's called a second trimester DNA abortion, where the abortionist takes a catheter tube, which they would originally use in the first trimester, but able to suck out the baby with the tube. It goes out with the tube, so they don't have to do anything. In the second wow. trimester on, the baby is too large to fit through the tube, so what they do is they take that tube, they put that in, they suck out all the ambiotic fluid around the baby, then they take an instrument called the sulfur clamp. Look it up if you want to know what this instrument is. I, I've it's seen like, it. It's I've like seen a large the YouTube. I've seen it. Okay, so you know what it is. So they take that Yeah, I know what clamp, it is. They it's stick it horrible. in there. And, they, and, and it grabs, originally they start with the leg, and they have to yank it, and out pops the leg. Then the, he sets it on the table right next to the, to the next to the procedure, and he goes back in, gets the other leg, gets the arms, takes out each of the organs, the spine, and lastly they pull out the head. And they stack up these body parts on a metal tray right next to the operating table. And they have to do that because if they leave any part of the baby in the mother's womb, she can get an infection and die. There's a reason they do that. But what they don't tell you is after the fact, they preserve the heart, the kidney, some of the skin tissue, 
and they sell it for profit. Yeah, okay, now and they use the it state, for experiments, state, yes. Exactly. So and what people need to understand is the reason that Virginia and New York situation is, is different is that if, if you can get, and this is why they put that law in saying that after a mother gave birth, she can have an abortion, they have special wings in these hospitals in those states where a, if a mother decides after she's given birth that she doesn't want the baby, they take the baby, they have a special nursery wing, they hold those babies in, and the value for those babies' kidneys and lungs is 10 times higher than the babies that have been aborted. An aborted baby that's been killed in the fetus and took out, a heart and a kidney goes for about $50,000. If they can get it from a baby that's still alive and being preserved, it's worth more than $500,000. So the, the value is exponentially higher. So there's a black market in the selling of baby body parts that's tied to the abortion industry that's not being talked about. And so when people talk about being pro-choice, you need to understand what you're really supporting. Not only are you supporting the murder of, of children, not only are you supporting the population control of black people, you're also supporting an, an illegal black market where they're selling baby organs for massive amounts of money. So this is what we're talking about here. This isn't. Um, this is not about a woman's right to choose. That's the propaganda. The reality is, this is a dark and dirty and nasty and evil thing that's going on in this country, and it's barbaric. And the fact that as Americans, no one's speaking out against it. I mm-hmm. mean, the fact that they're getting away with selling baby body parts. Right. I mean, that's that's that should make every parent in this country just just curl up in disgust. Imagine right. somebody took your child, killed them, and sold their organs on the black market. Wow. Unbelievable. I have two daughters. I'm going to hug them when I'm done. <laughs> I'm so grateful I have them. But thank you, sir. That was really interesting, and I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that your mother had you, because now you're a contributing member of our society who has lent some perspective to this, some additional perspective to this. I thank you for your contribution, and God bless you. Thank you. You too, man. I appreciate you having me on. You have a nice day. You too. And my friend, you know, we have to, there, there are many sides to this, and our caller has brought in an interesting point that we need to look at. So what is the, I'm going to perhaps have to do a follow-up show on that. The black market on baby body parts to make a note of that for my producer to uh, follow up, uh, remind me, a black market on baby body parts. We have to do a show on that because that is the backside of this whole article. I appreciate his perspective, you know, that uh, I am aware that uh, I don't, this is why I don't support abortion, especially what they call late-term abortions. I don't like that. It's, to me, like beginning the conception. I still think a woman has the right to choose in spite of all the evidence of what happens. It's her choice. She should be made, the law requires that she's made aware of all the ramifications of her choice. I think she should still have the right to choose, right? And that's that's the way that I see it. I, I, I think we should pay the other uh, parts of the issue. We should still take those under consideration, whether you are pro-choice or you are not you should still t- take into consideration what are the ramifications there in circumstances. And things do happen. Let's be clear. We're adults. Things happen. Just like the caller said, 
his mom was young and living on the streets when she had him. But she struggled with him and she kept him. And now he's here as a contributing member of society. I imagine he must love his mom. You can just tell, right? Because she chose to do what she felt was the best thing for her and her baby to do. And yes, there are some women who elect to use abortion as a form of birth control. I think maybe that's where the law should come in. You can only have so many abortions or you we can't just leave it up to people because I heard some years ago about one girl who went into an abortion clinic and she had had five abortions over a period of time. At that point, the nurses had just walked and left her. They were like, I'm not doing it anymore, right? Because then you're doing it because you have issues. You see what I'm saying? So I don't believe that abortions uh, should be, uh, I don't believe it should be regulated. By the uh, by the by the state, I believe that people should be able to choose what they want to do. People should choose whether or not they want to have abortions. But I don't believe in late-term abortions. I believe abortions should not take place after six to eight weeks. And, and quite frankly, most of us we don't know we're pregnant until six weeks. I don't recall knowing until you know you miss a period. By that time, it's six weeks. Right? When you by the time you realize, oh my gosh, I missed the period, you're six weeks long. I don't believe that. I believe that abortion should be kept at six to eight weeks, that's it. I don't believe there should be abortions at three months and five months. And as the caller said in, in New York, nine months? Uh, no, that's murder. I'm sorry. That's killing. That's a deliberate killing of a human being. Uh, have, you know, they're, they're, they just don't seem to be bothered by heart and lung and liver conditions. And she said, I think they're having young uh, young hearts. Like, they, they probably have had elective surgeries to replace their hearts and lungs and kidneys and so on. And now I'm beginning to see. I was wondering where, good morning, I was wondering where that came from, probably. So we're going to do a follow-up show on uh, baby body parts. That's the other side of the abortion conversation. And thank my caller for bringing that up. That's a conversation we should have as well. Would you all like to be a part of that? I probably should have that conversation around that. I know talking about abortion makes us all uncomfortable because at some point we've all participated, whether we picked up someone from an abortion clinic who had just had an abortion or we counseled someone to not have an abortion. We've all been there. We've all sat in the seat helping someone to make that lifetime decision and that life-changing decision. We, we need to, I think, more counseling needs to be done at the point where she chooses to have an abortion. I believe that she needs to be counseled more. I believe she needs to be exposed to what happens to her afterwards, how she will feel. Because it's one thing to say, I'm not going to have any help, and you panic. and say, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? And quite frankly, the realities are supreme. The realities of, not, of struggling to take care of a child, nobody wants to deal with that. But there are, as the caller said, the people who are really having abortions are people who can afford to because abortions are expensive. I don't know what is the going rate. It depends on what kind of insurance you have. Poor people have babies because they can't afford abortions. So it depends on what kind of insurance you have. You call up your OBGYN and they perform but it's called a DNC, a dilation of courage. You all know what that is, right? And it's treated as uh, as if something uh, had gone 
um, medically wrong, and the baby's extracted out, and it's covered by insurance with a co-payment. You know, my child, to tie a noose around their neck. Wow. Well, yeah, right? So it depends on our times have changed. Women have been having abortions for centuries. This is not new. You know what I mean? Women have been abortions from even the times of the Bible. There were always teas that they could drink that would induce labor and that would induce, uh, you know, uh, women uh, to bring forth a child that she did not want. This has been going on forever. They in, in, in centuries ago, they used to use a hanger, like insert a metal hanger, and hook the, the baby and, oh, it's just gross and horrible. Can you imagine how the baby feels, right? Uh, so we do have this kind of conversation going on. But within the, con- within the context of legality, though, if a woman finds herself in a position where she feels that she has no other recourse but to have a child, I don't think the state of Ohio should say, wait it out. Especially under these uh, situations, economic situations, and so on, right? At the end of the day, she's economically culpable and on the line for that. I really do appreciate your your feedback. I really wanted to hear what people had to say. It is very interesting. Obviously, I am impacted by it because I'm a woman and I have two children, and I cannot begin to imagine what that could be. I cannot. I just simply cannot. I remember when my children were babies and how precious they were. And they were so innocent. They were precious little persons whom I vowed that I would protect for the rest of their lives. That's how you feel when you've had one. So I can't imagine. Oh, Jesus. I simply can't imagine. Right? But I also feel that the more informed a woman is, you know, all parts of the coin, whether she's religious or not, we still need to explain the spiritual ramifications because that's a person. And when you you hurt that person, you're still going to have to deal with it later. Some folks never recover from that. Did you know that? Some women have an empty vacuum. They silently remember and memorialize the day when they did not choose to have that child even years later. So it's something that never, because they had an abortion that went wrong. And many of them are caught up in this movement. There are grandmothers who feel that they've been robbed of being a grandparent. There are women who had an abortion early and who can't have children and never had children. I I have talked to women like that who have had children, who were pregnant young and then did not carry the child to term and then could not have children after that. And for the rest of your life, you have to live with regret that if you had at least had a child, but it was the sacrifice. It was how you felt at the time. Let me read what folks are saying. So do you think that's God punishing them? I don't think God is in the business necessarily of punishing women at that point. I think it's taken under on a case-by-case basis. When you, the individual, go up to God and Based on your circumstances, based on what you say, based on your understanding of your situation, and you say to God, this is what is going on, forgive me. If you look at your situation, years ago, my second daughter is is 17 now. She's the most precious human being, both my daughters. I cannot imagine life without them. 
my second daughter is 17 and so precious. I can't imagine if I didn't have her. I look at my, sometimes I look at my children and they're like, why are you looking at me? Because I'm, every time I hear about a woman having an abortion, I'm looking at my two. And I'm like, what would life be like if I hadn't had them? So I don't know who this is for, but if you find yourself in a place where that's a decision that you find that you have to make about having that child, I'm going to encourage you to think about it. If you're making a decision based on a temporary situation, the man you're pregnant for does not want to be with you, then I'm going to ask you, are you having the baby for him or are you having the baby for you? And I'm going to encourage you to think it through. If you are the man called you to tell you that she's not going to have the baby because you, it was a mistake, you both were fooling around, you were married, you were with someone else, you don't want to disrupt your life, you don't feel like having a child is your thing to do at this point, then I'm going to encourage her to make a decision based on the long term, not the short term. Not how you feel in the moment. You're angry. You're anxious. You are unsure of the future. And you make a, a permanent decision on a temporary situation. It won't always be like this. I am so glad that when I was challenged and facing the end of a marriage, it was a long-term situation. I'm so glad that my daughter is here. I'm going to hug her when all this is over. She's so precious to me. Both my daughters. What if I had chosen not to have them? And I'm here. It was not easy. It was rough. It was a struggle. I became a single parent unexpectedly, not when I had to choose, make choices that I found at the time they were easy to make because they were for the good of the girls. They were for the good of the children. So if it were for their good, it was easy to do for me. So I'm going to encourage you. If you find yourself in that position where you have to help someone walk them through, ask them to think long-term. And if you are with them in their lives, stay with them. Encourage them, but think long-term. Abortion is end of life. It's very final. It's like death. That's literally what you're doing. It's death. And ladies, be very careful. It's death. So make sure that you're in the right frame of mind to make a long-term decision and not just a short-term one. I know for you guys, sometimes it was a hookup and a hit, and I was hitting and quitting and hitting and quitting. I know that's how men think about relationships today. And maybe we need to go back to thinking about relationships within the context of where they're supposed to be. Maybe we shouldn't be having sex with multiple people. Maybe we really should just be having sex with committed partners one at a time. Even if that commitment is for a year, that commitment is for two years, but we should just perhaps be in committed relationships. Maybe we shouldn't have random hookups where you just you have seen Tom tonight, tomorrow night is someone else, tomorrow night is, is, is someone else, because those are the situations that lead to elective choices about abortion. Because when they look at it, how am I going to have a baby? I work in an unstable environment. You know there are people right now going through this pandemic who are pregnant and contemplating abortion, who unexpectedly lost a job. They might even be in a long-term relationship. They might even live with someone. But right now, having another child in the midst of this uncertainty, 
We don't know when the economy is going to recover. There are no guarantees you're going to get your job back. As a matter of fact, jobs that are lost are irretrievable. We are not going to come back. <laughs> Let's just be clear and be realistic about that. Imagine you are pregnant right now. Imagine someone you know. It could be your sister. It could be your cousin. Before you throw the judgment, help them to think this through. What is it going to be in, in the kind of environmental conditions that we live in today, where Republicans hate people and hate women? They don't—it's the truth. They don't want health care for anybody but themselves. They don't want uh, secure jobs for anyone but themselves. They're the only people who exist in America. Nobody else lives in America. We've got to think long term. My my caller was trying to place this in a in a broader context in terms of numbers, right? In terms of the numbers for blacks and the numbers for Hispanics. That's another way to look at it. If you choose to look at it from that political perspective, from on the ground, what does it translate to? So if you're in find yourself in that place where someone is contemplating, especially during this, they just lost their job, the factory closed, right? Maybe it was one of those jobs like an Amazon fulfillment center. She's standing on her feet, and she's pregnant. How is she going to continue to have a pregnancy standing on your feet all day long? She works in fast food. They're closed. She works at a restaurant. They're closed. She works at a deli in a supermarket. They've reduced hours. She was working in the, the hospital. This might be the only place you can find a job now after this is over. <laughs> right? And now she has to face, what am I going to do? And abortion seems more like it because it doesn't look like the economy is going to turn around in a quick time. Encourage them to look at the long term. And especially today when applying for social services is not what is used as if they hate people so badly. They walk through the economy and just swish and took stuff out and left only for special interest groups. I think you're beginning to get my angst a little bit. Right, but when uh, someone is saying, uh, but when someone's mind is made up, it's hard to make them see different. Exactly. From their perspective, right there on the ground, how can you change their mind? They're looking at it for what this means for me in real time. I have no choice. He just told me he doesn't want to be with me. He told me he doesn't want to have another child. He told me he's not going to help me. Who's going to help buy diapers? Who's going to help me feed the child? When I got separated and I had to come to Detroit to live with my mother, my youngest daughter was 15 months old. If I didn't have my mother, what would I have done? My mother promised. She said, I work. You will work. My granddaughter will without diapers. My granddaughter will not be hungry. She's like, get it together. I'm coming to get you. And that was it. She came and she got us. She was a woman of her word. As long as my mom lived, my children never felt hunger. They never felt were last for anything. I can do not. It's bringing tears to my eyes. What if you don't have that kind of support system? You see where I'm coming from? What if she doesn't have that? At least I had a parent who said, I'm going to help you, but I want you out of that abusive situation. And I am going to stand in the gap and help you. So she made sure my children never wanted. My little girl had the prettiest Easter dresses you could ever want to see. She was a blessing to my children when she passed away. To this day, we can't talk about mom's passing. 
my youngest daughter goes nuts. My oldest daughter just walks away. She just goes to another room. She's not dealing with it, right? Because she became that bastion of security. What is the woman going through doesn't have that? What if she doesn't have that assurance and that security that someone is going to be there? Truthfully, I work all sorts of horrible things to babies when they're born. Yes, I know that. But what do I do? How do I take care of this child? What do I do? What kind? We have to change the political system to make those assurances. As the caller said, and I'm just piggybacking off it because he raised a valid point, Hispanics are conservatives, so they stick with family. In the black community, we don't do that a great deal. That's not a focus. Families are not a focus, so children are dispensable. Relationships, what is a relationship? It's a hookup. I didn't want you. I didn't tell you I was going to be with you. I didn't tell you I wanted a commitment. I just wanted sex. Sometimes they say, sometimes they don't say. So what is a woman to do when she finds herself pregnant? What is she supposed to do? What choices does she have knowing the ramifications of what she's going to have to deal with? So we, it's not just the woman. We're placing the onus on her only. But what about the man who made the decision to have sex with her without a condom? What about him? He is responsible equally. He is to be held. I am beginning to think if you want this thing to turn around, I think women need to identify the man who got her pregnant, and the law needs to go hold him responsible. You want this to stop? You want abortions to stop? Stop the men who are paying for abortions and the men who just willy-nilly walk away from a woman when she's pregnant. Watch how that is going to dramatically change that. Hold them accountable and see how it, oh, so you went to, so it's Tom Brown? Where does he live? What's his address? We're going to go to him and hold him accountable to the fact that you are pregnant and he has to support you financially and economically and see how that changes. That's what we have abortion. They're not, you're making it sound like they're choosing to have it because it's inconvenient. You're damn right it's inconvenient. You ever tried to go to daycare? You have to leave work when you have a boss yelling at you? And you have to leave to go pick up your kid from daycare or you can't go into work because the child is sick. Think about that. Right. A real man should stand up stand up and take care of his responsibilities. If you're such a man that you can have sex, let's just be real. We're grown now. We're not children. We're grown folks. If you are such a man that you can stand up and have sex with a woman without a condom, knowing jolly well that you can make her pregnant, you know what you should do? You should be real enough to stand up when she comes back and says, dude, I am pregnant. Hold yourself accountable. That's where the accountability should, should start. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be Secretary of State or whatever they call it, whatever arm of the government uh, it is, the local government, that chases them for a child support check. That sounds irresponsible. No. A social worker should come in and say, who is this man? That will change the, day, the way abortions are seen. Then most people will say, okay, if he's going to help me, he's going to financially provide, he's going to take out a life insurance, he's going to make sure that he, I get a check that is going to help pay for this and that, then fine. Okay, then I have some support. And he's going to be there emotionally. He's going to pick up the baby from daycare. If I can't go into work, he's going to find a way to make it happen. You will find out. Men will buy condoms like it's going on a cell. They will make sure they only have sex when they are equipped to have sex, which is with a condom. 
that's what it is going to have to take. That will dramatically change it. Because if the, and the messaging is not changing from men who are fathers and husbands, people who are in positions of authority, whom people are respect and listen to, preachers and politicians and community leaders. No, they're high-fiving and blowing it up like it's just the men and we are ballers together. They are not telling men, you, you need to step up. You can't know. I'm not. Preachers need to tell the truth. How many young people, how many women they have counseled through abortions? How many times they have actually had to help somebody pay for abortions or go pick up someone? Grandfathers need to call their grandsons and say, look, I'm not doing this anymore. You need to step up and be a man. And then it is going to change. Just maybe. Just maybe it might change. Just maybe we won't need a whole state government to step in and say, nah, we're not going to have any abortion, any more abortions. Have you ever seen, if you don't believe me, go on YouTube and look at how abortions are performed. That's going to change you forever. And you see what is done to an unborn child. That will change you. And a lot of it, like I said, it's an emotional choice that a woman makes. Because the man who made her pregnant, the man she was with, made her know that he was not going to be responsible for when that child is born, despite the fact that he took his penis out and had sex without a condom, had a good time. But now, three weeks later, I missed my period. And now, he's like, and that's not my responsibility. You should have made sure you took care of that. Where does that thinking come from? We've got to change that. So I need you all to talk to your sons, your grandsons, your nephews, your uncles, and so on. We've got to change that. We've got to change that. We have to become more family-oriented, where we respect people, respect our bodies, and whom comes out of our bodies. How can you just randomly just not respect who comes out of you? How can you not see... Your child, I want to know how you see your child. You know you have a child out there. That came out of you. And you don't know if that child is had a bath or eaten. You don't know if that child is surrounded by people who are not taking advantage of it. I don't understand that. There's something, there's a disconnect there, right? We're going to talk some more about this. Uh, We're probably going to talk about the black market uh, in baby body parts. I might even show a video and ask you all to watch it and see it. And when you see it, then just maybe it might make an impact on us to stem the tide. We can't just be so irresponsible. Yes, I want us to have the right to choose, especially in cases of incest or rape. Then you are ready to face that and deal with that. But if you are choosing to have an abortion because it's inconvenient for you because the other person is not going to support you. My eldest daughter said that's why they made birth control. That's what she does to make sure she's not put in that position, right? We need to stop this, y'all. We can't just do that. We can't just do that, right? Right? Thank you so much for being a part of our experience this morning. As you can see in the background, iHeartRadio. So go to iHeartRadio. You can search for me by name, Harriet Kamek, as well as you can search for me by the name of our podcast, Down to Earth with Harriet Kamek. And you will find me on iHeartRadio, Spotify, 
as well as every podcast platform. It is so good to have you here. Now, I'm going to ask you all, are you taking care of yourself? Are you? Are you observing social distancing? Washing your hands, using bleach, Lysol everywhere, making sure you have hand sanitizer in your cars everywhere, eating right, drinking water, the stuff we are supposed to do. People are using hand towels because they can't find toilet paper. Whoever you are who has hoarded all the toilet paper, sell it. Give it away. Give it, give, give it away. Put it out on your porch. Say toilet paper for free. Okay? Right? Save us all so we all don't have septic systems backed up because people are using the wrong thing. Please don't let me have a problem. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Right? <laughs> oh, it's an Advil? Wow. Wow. Imagine that. Right? So take care of yourselves. I don't know. The French government said uh, they're not advising people to take uh, acetaminophen instead if they have a fever. But recover, but it depends. And being young does not mean healthy. Being young does not mean that a lot of young people take their health for granted. They eat what they want, they drink whatever, and they're not taking care of themselves. So being young does not equate to being healthy. So go take care of yourselves, right? Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. I encourage you to come back. Tomorrow is our uh, finals of the week. And then on Sunday morning, we have our faith uh, section. And uh, make sure you continue to listen to more of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever your favorite podcast platform is. I want to thank you so much. Go to my website, theexodusfoundation.com. Help us to be a blessing to others as we continue to provide services during these times. I want to thank you so much. Enjoy your Thursdays. We're Teal Thursday. So I am sporting teal green. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.